You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Listening to America's Web Radio. And we're here to talk about guns, guns, and more guns. And politicians that hate guns. And people that hate guns. Who obviously are also anti-Second Amendment people on top of that. And that brings me to my first subject of discussion. As usual... The 2020 Democratic Party presidential candidates are at it again. It's like they're deliberately trying to outdo each other on how anti-gun each of them can be. But today's spotlight goes to Mr. Cory Booker, because boy, is he a doozy. He's gotten a lot of attention, I guess, and I guess good or bad, he likes it, about his idea expecting someone to get a license to buy a gun. It's amazing. I think he should have to get a license to exercise his right to free speech because he certainly abuses that. It's unbelievable. But in any case, now there's one thing in case you didn't miss, in case you missed this, the proposal did not stop there. He's calling for a measure that would effectively ban all new handgun sales in the foreseeable future. Now you're saying to yourself, oh my God, how can he do this? The Second Amendment is still there. It still exists. Well, what he's planning on doing is eliminating anything that doesn't meet certain technological requirements, kind of like California does with their roster. And if you don't know what the roster is, it's a list of handguns that do not have micro-stamping built into their, in, into their weapons. And he explains, the micro-stamping is technology that allows law enforcement to identify the source of the ammunition used in a crime. Now, I'm thinking this also ties that those cartridges to whoever fired them, which means if someone were to go by the local range and scoop up a couple of handfuls of random brass, they'd be able to sprinkle those at any crime scene they wanted or reload them and sell them on the street to people who did not have micro-stamped hand- handguns. And that would provide... A endless loop of goose chases for law enforcement to try and track down these this ammunition that supposedly belonged to the person who shot the weapon last end up being nowhere. But the fact that he can do this or try and do this, California is essentially pushing gun control through one year at a time. They keep taking a few more guns off the list. And Cory Booker wants this to happen. He's pushing to require the micro-stamping technology, which, to be honest, does not exist at the moment. It would be theoretically possible, and there is a manufacturer, too, has shown they could sort of do it. But to make it work, it's going to take more technology than we have right now. Maybe they could install sharks with laser beams on their heads to etch the cartridges as they were fired out of the guns. I'm sure Dr. Evil would approve that. But, you know, it happened in California in 2013, and essentially... Any new gun that has come out is taken off, is not on their roster if it doesn't have this micro-stamping technology. So now, even though Glocks are up to their, I think, fifth generation, you cannot buy anything in California that is not a Gen 3 or prior to that. And a lot of other handguns are coming out with a new model, a new variation. And since they're not the original variation, they are not put on the roster unless they have micro-stamping technology, which, like I say, no handgun commercially available right now has the micro-stamping technology. So with this, with this, uh, I guess he's pushing for a roster in the United States as far as guns go also. 
So it would be very easy for him to push through a kind of a backdoor gun control, which would be just be, it's just the way they do it. They don't believe the Second Amendment should exist. So, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy, but here he goes again. You know, he's like, it's like the Democratic candidates are trying hard to compete to see who can be the most anti-gun. But then again, there's Sharon Watts, or sh- sh- excuse me, Shannon Watts. She's the leader of, um, I don't know, some anti-gun control company. I forget her name, um, but she's going against the NRA. She wants to ban any type of ammo that can pierce soft body armor. Now, a lot of you might be saying, oh, well, yeah, we don't want armor-piercing ammo. Well, what she doesn't say is that any type of centerfire rifle ammo, any type of centerfire rifle ammo can pierce soft body armor. It will stop pistol ammo only, and even then, depending on the level, up to a certain point. But rifle ammo, even Grandpa's .30-06 hunting rifle, will go clean through both sides of a soft vest. So she eventually, so she wants to stop any of this ammo from being sold. And you might say, oh, well, you know, there's other ways. You can load your own. Yes, but eventually they're, they're going to start by banning the loaded ammunition. Then they start, then the next step is to ban the projectiles. Then maybe ban the cases. So before you know it, this is going to be a way of pushing gun control where they can eliminate the ammunition. Because the ammunition is not protected in the Second Amendment. It says the right to keep and bear arms, and they will construe that to not include ammunition. So here you go. You can buy whatever gun you want, but you will not be able to buy ammunition for it, which means you'll have a weirdly shaped club by the time you're done, which I don't know how effective. Over the years, that uh, when people open their mouths, like Pelosi or Feinstein, I believe, that generally speaking, they have no clue what they're talking about. Well, yeah, they have no idea the way guns work or the way ammunition works. They just hear something off the cuff and decide to run with it. Let's ban all attack weapons. That's right. Yeah, assault weapons. Ooh, of course, there's no such thing as assault weapons in standard civilian hands. Those require $200 tax stamps, months of background verification, and they're highly collectible, so they're usually ridiculously expensive. It'd be much easier to kill somebody with a Lexus, and it'd probably be cheaper. What about... If you can't have assault weapons, what about pepper weapons? You know, California... Pepper, you know. <laughs> These two nuts walk into a bar. One was assaulted. <laughs> but, yeah, it's... They're trying... They ban... Uh, I know pepper spray is not legal in New York. Stun guns are not legal there. California as well. You're not... You can't get pepper spray easily. It's illegal for someone to have pepper spray. So they do not want you to be armed with anything to defend yourself. What are you going to put on the salad? Exactly. You know, sometimes you need something on a taco, a little more than Tabasco sauce. Yeah. But it's just, it's unbelievable to me that they're going to use this backdoor way to ban guns. You know, because the ammunition is not protected. And of course... What ammunition do you think is out there that would go in about less than a heartbeat into the black market? Well, thousands let's see. Well, I've heard the Democrats say, if we take guns off the shelves, then no one will have them. <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, oh, yeah, yeah, I was at CVS the other day, and I saw meth and cocaine all over the shelves there. So that must be where people are getting it from, because if it's not on the shelves, you can't buy it. That's true. <laughs> I don't know what's the keeping dr- It'd be nothing keeping drug dealers from bringing in a- ammunition and guns as well. What the heck? 
Yeah, and the cartel. Let's see, they have the ones that we gave them in Fast and Furious, so they can they can make a profit. That's right, and they they got those for free. Yeah. Thank thank you, Obama. Appreciate that. Uh, yeah, that's just that's insane that we gave them weapons. Well, you know, in world events, a lot of times you end up giving weapons to your enemies unknowingly because socioeconomic or political winds change, like in Afghanistan. We gave weapons to the Afghanis for years to fight the Russians. But then, of course, they turn out to be a terrorist breeding ground, and we have to go in there and fight the Afghanis, and most of the weapons they have are ones we gave them. And how about Vietnam? Uh, okay. Fill me in on that one. Well, we gave we left behind so many weapons that they could uh, supply an army. Oh, right, right. But, you know, that's, you know, that was what we left there. We didn't deliberately give them and ship them to them the way we did in Afghanistan. Well, we did in a, in a way in that uh, I mentioned the law the other day, you know, and uh, we'd leave them behind and the Vietnamese would make rocket launchers out of them. And take down whatever they wanted to that was in the air, yeah. That's, you know, it's it happens, though. You know, our enemies become our friends, then become our enemies again. And unless we can tell what's going to happen in the future, we we want to be nice to them. But then again, when they turn the the corner, we got to make sure we're able to protect ourselves. Yeah. Like protect ourselves with? Uh, are we using uh, are we using arrows or a slingshot? Or what are we protecting ourselves? <laughs> we're protecting ourselves from our own stupidity. Are they going to take rocks off the market so I won't be able to buy a rock for my slingshot? Rocks? Oh, you mean Palestinian non-corrosive ammo? Yes, the rocks. Broken concrete. That's very popular in uh, in the Palestinian battle. The Israelis have, you know, regular ammo. The Palestinians use the rocks. Now, I would be really cautious throwing rocks at somebody who had a rifle. They say, <laughs> don't bring a knife to a gunfight. Yeah. Don't bring rocks to a gunfight either. <laughs> but, you know, let's not put it all in Cory Booker. Although, wait a minute. There's more. There's more. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Booker has another plan now. This one is the scariest thing I've ever heard. He says, day one, if he gets elected president, he is going to investigate the NRA's tax-exempt status, which means basically he is going to use the IRS as a weapon against anybody who is politically opposed to him. Now, who did that recently? You know, from what I understand, the Obama administration started this, hmm. and now Cory Booker is just going to pick it up and run with it. Don't they realize that using, you know, a government agency against political enemies is exactly what happens in every third world country in the world? Does Hillary know that? Well, Hillary's her own brand of criminal. She's her own brand of Hilda Beast. <laughs> but the funny thing here is I wonder if this becomes standard practice, how long will it be before a Republican is back in office who they don't like or he is willing to do whatever it takes to keep himself and keep his party in power. And then he turns around and shuts down some other things. Like he uses the IRS to target, say, um, what is that uh, place, the uh, Planned Parenthood or their Southern Poverty Law Center. What if he starts going to shut those down, questioning their tax-exempt status? You know, it, the, the pendulum swings both ways, people. we got to consider what's right and what's wrong, not what's good for one party or the other, but what's best for the American people. To have one party decide to use a government agency as a weapon against their political opponents should never be allowed to happen in this country. Once we turn that corner, 
I fear we may have gone too far and there'd be no stopping it. Now, granted, there are a lot of people on the right who are thinking, oh, yeah, we need to shut down the poverty law center, the Southern Poverty Law Center, shut down Planned Parenthood. And I'm thinking, why? I mean, these people have a right to do what they do. The only issue I have with Planned Parenthood, I'm not going to get into what they do or what they provide. The issue I have is that they receive government funding, which is fine, but then they make millions of dollars of donations to political candidates. So basically, the the government's giving them money to give back to themselves. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. You are listening to Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move, Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, we are back. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Now, before we left a few moments ago, we were talking about Cory Booker wanting to use the IRS as a weapon. Now, of course, we all know Obama did this. Well, not all of us know. Some will deny that it was ever proven or whatever. But here, Cory Booker is spelling it out. He wants to investigate any political activist group that he believes is against his, I guess, agenda, you might say. So, yeah, and we were getting into what would the Republicans shut down if they used this the same way? And how far would this go? I mean, is there any stopping it once it gets started? I'll say we're talking about Planned Parenthood, and I'm not going to get into what they do. I just want to say the fact that they give money back to political campaigns and they receive government funds seems like a conflict of interest. Either get the money, use it for whatever you want to do with it, and don't give 
political contributions in the name of your company or cut off all federal funding and let them give their own money to political candidates because that just doesn't seem like it's right at all to me. Like I say, I'm not going to get into what they do, what services they provide. That's an individual decision you will have to make if you're ever faced with it. But just the fact that he's trying to use the IRS as a weapon is just, uh, you, I don't think anybody realizes how scary this would be. And once one party got in power and used this to the fullest extent, you'd be able to shut down every opposing voice by not allowing them to organize, by not allowing them to raise funds. And I wonder how long it would be until one party decided, oh, we're just going to not let any political action committees exist if you don't push for the correct party, whatever, whoever happens to be in power. Well, you know, it's just keep an eye on that because that is going to become a big mess if he actually if by some rare chance he wins and gets in power or any of the political parties who get to the point where they can actually use the IRS as a weapon, that is going to be a scary day in our history because that is where things are going to start to go downhill in a big hurry. But Cory Booker's not the only guy who's done stupid things or suggesting stupid things. Like say, he hasn't done anything yet except open his mouth and profess his ignorance of most subjects he talks about. There's a congressman in New York, uh, Joe Morelli, a Democrat. He's taking aim at gun stores, and a new legislation, he said, would reduce the number of legal guns that fall into the hands of wrong people. The Morell's Gun Theft Prevention Act specifically targets gun shops and those who are burglarized. He said it would hold gun dealers accountable for failing to keep their inventory safe. Now, let's just say, so So what he's going to try and do is blame the gun store that gets burglarized or robbed for losing their inventory or being robbed. He's going to blame the victims for what's going on. He's going to blame them for any damage done by weapons stolen from their company. Now, I wonder how long it would be before this act goes against citizens. What if someone comes and steals a gun from your home or out of your car or out of your safe even, and then any gun that leaves your possession that you were assigned to or had in your had as as listed as an owner, then all of a sudden you'd be responsible for everything that gun did after it left your hands. Even if it was stolen, pried out of your hands, if somebody killed a relative to get it, you would still be held responsible for what that gun did afterwards. And it's crazy how they're going just after gun shops. You never hear of them going after car manufacturers or knife manufacturers or even the manufacturers of baseball bats for damage that they do. But he wants to give the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms, our old friends at the BATF, the power to revoke a shop's license if they're burglarized too many times or he feels they didn't do a good job securing their inventory somehow. Now, he does pick on one shop in particular, And he said they had been burglarized seven times in the last 12 years and twice in 2018. But still, I mean, you're blaming the victim for being burglarized and you want to hold them responsible. I would just love to see car dealers have to put up with this or even a person. What if someone steals your car, runs somebody over or kills somebody with it and you're held responsible for what they do, even though it's nobody you know because it was stolen right out of your driveway or whatever. I guess the best thing about this bill is that it's got almost no chance of passing. 
But just the fact that more and more Democrats are coming up with these crazy ideas to eliminate the Second Amendment. Imagine you would have to have insurance to cover your guns in case somebody stole them and did something with them. Otherwise, you would be held responsible for everything it did. Now, here's something interesting. As backwards as the U.S. seems to be going in its in its exercise of gun rights and its exercise of freedom, the president of Brazil, yes, Brazil, vowed during his campaign that he was going to liberalize gun laws. And in this case, liberalize means to make better, although it's hard to put gun laws and liberalize in one sentence and make it sound good. This is actually a good thing. Now, Brazil has been plagued by violence. Their murder rate is one of the highest in the world. Assault rates, robberies, all very high. And their gun control has been extremely strict. But the only people we know who obey gun control laws are law-abiding citizens. Criminals, of course, decide they're going to do whatever they want to do so they can perpetrate these acts. During his campaign, he ran on the platform that he would make guns easier for law-abiding citizens to get and ease the restrictions put on them. Now, you got to realize Brazil is a country of over 200 million people, so it's not a small country. It's not a Guatemala. It's not a, uh, a Central American country that's very small. It's a huge country. Now, this new president, and let's see if I can get his name right, Bolsonaro, He's on his social media account. He has 12 million followers on his social media account, and they are trying to help good citizens be able to defend themselves. Now, prior to his coming in and wanting to loosen the gun laws, Brazil had an ammo restriction. Anybody who had a gun could only have 50 rounds of ammunition per year. That's all you were allowed to purchase. Now, any of you who have ever gone to a gun range or gone out shooting in the field know that 50 rounds can last a matter of seconds, especially when you're having fun with a semi-automatic with a standard capacity 30 or plus round magazine. So now he wants to de-restrict that and give people the ability to buy a 1,000 rounds of ammo a year, which to me still seems very restrictive because I've done that in an afternoon myself, especially with some friends helping and a couple of different guns. But still, going from 50 to 1,000, up to 5,000 on unrestricted weapons. Now, I believe the unrestricted weapons are any weapon that is not chambered in a military caliber. So if it's a 22 or a 40 Smith & Wesson or a 380, not a 9mm 45, 5.56, any of those are considered military calibers, and they would be limited to 1,000 rounds per year. But still, 5,000 rounds a year, I know there's people who shoot more than that in six months. I wish I had that much time, but I don't. But most of these gun laws were put in place by his predecessor, who was known for being corrupt. And like any corrupt possible dictator-type authority figure, he wanted to limit the guns in people's hands, which would give him more room to just go ahead and run roughshod over everybody who was in his way. And now, granted, this is not a it's not a uh, a total freedom of guns, but we're going to see how this works out. I would like to see the citizens of Brazil take advantage of this, start buying more weapons, buying more ammo, practicing more, getting more efficient. I would like to see if the crime rate actually drops as civilian legal civilian gun ownership goes up. And you say it seems to happen in the United States because as soon as our gun purchasing and our gun permit carrying applications go up crime goes down do you have any i was just wondering if you had any statistics on uh, 
the uh, sign that's uh, my home is protected by S&W or whatever, you know. <laughs> Do you have any statistics? No, not actual numbers, but I will tell you, there's one thing that I was told a long time ago. Better not to have a sign like that on your house because people will watch your home and they'll see you leave and they'll know you have guns there and they'll go to steal them. It also provides a target for you to be a, tar- a victim of theft. You know, Now, if you're there, most people would stay away from it, but if they think you're gone or think that no one's home, they'll go looking for guns. I had an alarm go off one night at like 3 o'clock in the morning and... Uh Cops came and all that, and it was a back door and yada da da da, and turned out to be nothing. But the cop told me he said, you know, one, they're not going. They know that these houses in your neighborhood have alarms. That's one thing. They're not going to come in to your house because they figure that all these homes along this street have guns in them. And uh, that's a good like, deterrent. An armed society is a polite society. Hmm. That's why none of the anti-gun people ever put a sign in their yard that says, there are no guns in this house. (laughs) It'd be like pinning a target on your back. Or armed guards. uh... Right, exactly. It's funny. There was a sign on some property up out in the woods, and it's had no trespassing signs all around the outside of it. And if you go in about a quarter mile down the road, there's another sign that says, at this point, you are now a target. You're no longer a trespasser. <laughs> Love it. Okay, well, let's see. What can you do in the United States still? Well, as it turns out, you can buy an Army trade-in M32 grenade launcher. That's right. There's a small collection of Army trade-in M32 grenade launchers that are being sold off by a company called Milcor. Have you ever fired one? I have I not. Love it. Oh, they got to be fun. Do you remember um, the old advertising tomato or, or uh, ketchup uh, ad that you, they pushed the tomato into the bottle and it went? Yes, that's exactly what an M32 sounds like when you fire it. That's right. Yes. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with it, the M32. Is a multi, it's a cylinder fired, single barreled grenade launcher. So basically, I believe it has six rounds in it and can fire them in a matter of three seconds. Now, granted, that's semi automatic, but it fires up to six rounds at a time before reloading. I didn't see that model. I saw the model that you had to break down and load it with every time. Oh, no. This has a revolving cylinder in the middle of it, and it holds up to six rounds, and you just keep firing until they're all gone. Yeah, you know what? Uh, this is, must be a newer version, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, this is an, uh, let's see. It was like a double-barrel shotgun, except uh, it was a single-barrel yeah, grenade. And you know what they used them for in Nam as well? Clearing out holes, caves? No, a lot of... Um, points that uh, one you could have your cho- if you were if you were the point man you could have your choice of anything from an M60 up because <laughs> you're on the front line and, yes uh, they use the M32 grenade launcher they'd uh, instead of the a mortar round they'd use a buckshot round oh uh, neat yeah and it would uh, you know blow the shit out of anything that was around them Right, you got a good wide path of destruction with a round like that. Yep. Yeah, well, this, like I say, this will fire six in about three seconds. Now, they are semi automatic, 
the ar- the army the original army ones were sold in fully automatic. We could pull the trigger and it would just blip 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 all six rounds as fast as you could hold that trigger and maintain it. After my time, because yeah, I don't know. It doesn't say what year these were done, but it says it's a six shot grenade launcher that has pinpoint accuracy up to 125 yards and a range of up to 400 yards. Yeah, and you know how you fired them, right? Uh, these all come with the reflex sight on them. They have an actual, like a red dot type sight on top of them. Oh, okay. There's, this is way after my time. Yeah, this is probably, this is a more modern version. But now for those of you thinking, oh my God, I need one of those. Where do I sign up? How do I do it? Slow down for just a minute because these are class three weapons, which means you do have to apply for the federal background check, pay for a $200 tax stamp in order to get one. And when they come in, they're going to be about $15,000. <laughs> Give or so, take. Yes. Well, you know, that's they're they're gonna base them on condition and stuff, but they start at fifteen thousand dollars and that doesn't include any of the taxes or shipping. You're gonna have to pay to get it shipped to your FFL dealer. But they do come with let's see, it says a it comes with an M two A one reflex sight, a carry bag, a sling, and a forty millimeter cleaning kit. Now I don't know if you can imagine the size of the brush in that cleaning kit, but <laughs> you know, the, the, the shell was about like that. Yep, these are 40 millimeter, and if you want a reference point, 25 and a half millimeters is one inch. You know, the other thing for the Vietnam vets that are listening, um, they they really weren't sightable when when I was firing them. And the other thing was, if you were really good with one, you you'd do it just like a, and it was a mortar round, like lobbing it, yeah, and you'd cram it into the ground. And if you were really good, you would know the projection and... and uh, I guess the more you fired it, the better you got with it. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, you'd know what you were aiming for, what you're... And they would call them in. You know, a lot of guys uh, would carry them, would have them strapped. Am I doing something wrong? Uh, anyway, a lot of them would... Uh, you know, they'd carry the 16, they might carry a 45 or whatever, and then they'd strap a 32 on their back. Oh, there you go. Yeah, just to have a little extra firepower. Yeah. Those are the single round ones, I believe. They they break open like a yeah, shotgun. Yeah. yeah, the single one. Yeah, these are the A A twos, I believe they call them. Now, there's only going to be fifty two of these available, so you better hurry if you want to get one because they're probably going fast. Amazon doesn't have them. Not yet, but we can always hope for next year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's time to take a break. By gum, by golly, and uh, I guess we're going to do that. What do you think? Or we'll just shoot up a couple of rounds. Yeah, we'll take a break. Let's see. What do we what do we want to break with? Let's do the doctor's lounge. We'll be back right after this. The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's www.docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. 
These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Thanks for standing by while we take that short break. And we were talking before briefly about the M32 grenade launchers for $15,000. Like I say, there are only 52 of these available. And keep in mind, these are all used weapons. They're not brand new. And as Dave mentioned earlier, I don't think they're available on Amazon just yet. But they did. the, the seller did mention that some of these may be modified for function or may have signs of customization by the original users, which would be the U.S. military. Some launchers may have squad markings or etching painted on the exterior, which, you know, a lot of the guys will personalize some of their, uh, some of their equipment. Smile and wait for flash, you know, something like that. But I think that would actually just add to the uniqueness of having something like this. And keep in mind, if you want one of these, there's only 52 of them available. And who knows? They may be going fast. I'm not sure. But let's get to something that maybe everybody can have instead of just a $15,000 grenade launcher, which I really like the idea of anyway, though. But let me say, with all this political, I guess, activism with anti-gun things going on, this has only seemed to have driven the desire to own guns even harder than ever before. In fact, we mentioned in previous shows how... During the Obama administration, they broke almost every record for gun sales that had been previously established. There was one Black Friday where they sold more guns than there are members in the United States Marines in one day. So Americans certainly know how to exercise their rights. And that was only a conservative estimate because that was based on background checks. And in many states, if you hold a permit, you don't need a background check. Also, once you get the background check, you can buy more than one weapon. So if you have two sons or a son and a nephew you're buying them for, one background check, two guns. So that figure is probably low. But what's also gone up is people applying for concealed carry permits. And we went over this a few weeks ago, the steps involved, what you have to do. So now let's say you've gone through that, you've got your concealed weapons permit in a state where you don't require any training. You've got the permit, and now you want to go out and you want to buy your first handgun. And there's a million things to consider here. We're going to cover a few of them today and see and give you an idea. Because I know there are a lot of people out there go, they don't even know where to start. You know, they ask friends or maybe the guy at the gun shop, and sometimes they get good advice, sometimes they don't. But, you know, there are other questions to ask, too. Like, for one, could you pull the trigger? Would you be buying this gun to use it? 
I've had people tell me, oh, I don't need to carry it loaded. I'm just going to use it to scare somebody. That's probably one of the worst things in the world to do. You pull a gun on somebody without being prepared to use it. They may rush you, take it away from you. They may pull their own weapon and start shooting at you because you're hesitating using it because you don't have any ammunition stuffed in it. So you have to take that first step. Could you use it? Now, there's a lot of you thinking, oh, yeah, if my family was in danger, you know, if I was in danger, my home, my, 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 my castle was in danger, I could do it. Or in John Wick's case, if my dog was in danger, I could do it. So, okay, let's say you get past that. You get to the point where, okay, you've decided I could do this. I could kill somebody if it was a matter of me or my family. So now you're going to go and you're going to ask, you're going to ask yourself, okay, what am I going to do with this gun? Am I going to stick it in my pants? Am I going to carry it around? Am I going to leave it at home in the nightstand? Am I going to leave it in my car? Am I going to leave it in a safe locked in the basement? What's the purpose? What is it going to do? And now there are many people who will decide what type of weapon they want to have for home defense based on their situation. If you live in a very close community where houses are close by and overpenetration is a problem, then you don't want a rifle. You want a, a handgun or a shotgun. How many people are in your house? Is your house on one level? Does everybody sleep on the same level? All these things have to be considered. I had a friend who was looking to purchase a home defense weapon, and he said, I'm much better with a rifle than I am with a pistol, and I'd much rather have the rifle, but I have a nine-year-old daughter. So if I have both hands on my rifle while clearing the house, I can't keep a hand on her. So I'm going to get the handgun so I can keep one hand on her when I have to, to guide her along with me if I have to go get her if there's intruders in the house and then not be able to use the rifle so you got to consider things like that do you have a dog that's going to go running up to any attacker that you're going to have to call back or you know worry about protecting how many people in the family can protect themselves do you have other people in the family who can use weapons do you have a way to communicate if someone were to break into your house so consider all these things one thing there would be to have a light on your weapon to be able to see what's going on. But then again, a light also is something for somebody to shoot at if they're shooting back at you. You know, shoot the lights. And if you have this weapon in the house, are you going to carry it with you? Or are you going to take it to the range for a lot of practice? All these things have to be considered. And a lot of people will go to their friends and say, oh, what kind of gun do you have? And they'll tell them, and a lot of people are going to tell you what their favorite is. Oh, I carry a Glock. I carry Springfield. I carry a Smith & Wesson. I have a 1911. Everyone's going to have their favorite. But their favorite may not be the best one for you. And that's when things start getting complicated. I mean, you may have seen a Dirty Harry movie or two and decided, I need a 44 Magnum because I'm going to be able to threaten people like that. And it, it can be as deadly as a shotgun without question if you hit what you're aiming at. But it's also rather large. It's got a lot of muzzle flash, so if you're shooting in the dark, you may be temporarily blinded after taking that first shot, and you won't know if you hit anything with it. The absolute best thing to do is find somebody who has a lot of weapons or go to a range where they rent guns and try it out. I had a friend who had a, a girlfriend who wanted a gun, and she was she was thinking she wanted a revolver because it's small, it's light, it's uncomplicated. And she had shot some of my semi-autos before. We went to the range, rented the thirty-eight revolver. She shot it about four times and decided, I don't like this. It doesn't fit right. It doesn't feel good. I can't control it well. So she went back to shooting one of my guns, and then I shot the, the rest of the box of ammo out of the thirty-eight. So like I say, if she had bought the thirty-eight prior to shooting it, she would have been stuck with a gun she did not like, probably wouldn't have carried it, probably wouldn't have practiced with it. 
So in the end, she would have wasted this money on a gun and probably lost interest in actually pursuing any of the, you know, weapon sports or anything like that. So always see if you can find out what you're comfortable with. You may have different size hands than your best buddy or your friend who carries a gun. So make sure you try to at least put your hands on it. Even if you can't get a chance to shoot, at least put your hands on it and see how it feels and get somebody to show you a proper grip to make sure you're holding it right before you decide, oh, I want this gun or that gun or the other gun. <coughs> Roger, can I come out with another thing? Sure. And, and you sort of uh, alluded to it, but I want to follow through with it. One is, as inexpensive as they are today, if you're looking for home security, put an alarm, you know? Get some warning that somebody's breaking in your house, you know. And then the next thing is, and uh, it didn't do any good convincing somebody. She left anyway. But um, I, I've no matter where I've been, whether it was on base or not on base or any place else, have a plan. Oh, right. You know, have a plan. The alarm goes off, and somebody. What do you thought, do? Somebody thought, oh, well, you'll rush out the door and try to... St-. No, I ain't going to run out the door. They could, <laughs> they could be in the door, you know? It could already just, be in the house. Yeah. Uh, you you know, if the alarm goes off, have a plan. I've always known, and I'm a light sleeper, thank goodness. And uh, Good for security. Yeah. Well, you know, you got to hear the alarm. So, And then if somebody were to break into my house tonight, I know exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to let them come to me. I ain't going to them because I don't know what they got on them, you know? Right. You don't know what you're running up against. Always put yourself in a situation of defense unless you know for sure you can get to a point where you can be better barricaded or have better cover. But otherwise, I'm going to let them come to me. I'm going to let them get to the door, rattle my doorknob, and then, surprise, (laughs) (laughs) there's something coming through the door, your gift. That's right. Um, But... Have the important thing is have a plan, right? And, and I have your a plan. Know what it is? Huh? Yeah. Oh, everybody is involved. The same thing with fire. Also, you want to have a plan for yeah. getting out of the house, and you have to have a plan for various points of entry. If they break in through the garage, coming through the basement door, coming through the front door, you have to know which way you're going to go. Now, you and you, you may not know where they're coming from. So yeah, and, I, and like I said, as as inexpensive, I have a very my alarms start going off on the outside before anybody ever gets to the doorknob, you know? That's ideal to scare them away to prevent the confrontation completely. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, with these new doorbells they have now with the cameras built oh, yeah. in, they, they can be set for motion detection, as, motion detection as well. Someone just has to walk up. It sets off the motion detector. You can see who's at the front yeah. door, see if it's a, a late delivery from Amazon or somebody looking to take something instead of deliver something. So, you know, it's it's just, you know, if security is a concern, and it should be. You know, oh, yeah. There's no, I don't know of any area in the world that is 100% safe. Oh, there's no place. I mean, there absolutely not. There are bad not. guys and there are good guys, and I think. I would hope not. I would, uh, I would beg to differ, but I have more faith than you do, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. well, but anyway, you know, just have a plan. Well, yeah, and sometimes it's not even a person. If you live out in the country, you maybe have to be concerned with bears or wild boar or coyotes. You know, a lot of them are very bold. I live in the suburb, and 
We have deer. Yeah. Lots of deer. Bambi, get out of my yard. But I don't think the deer are going to come charging in and and try and eat something, especially you. But there are people who live outside the city who have issues with bears, too. I had a neighbor up in uh, North Georgia. Broke, tore her screen porch apart, ripped it all to shreds to get to a bag of trash that she had left on the porch, which was going out the next day, and then tried to get into the house. There were claw, claw marks all over the door. The porch was all torn apart. I mean, it was crazy, and she had no way to defend herself. So well, we'll be right back after this break from our sponsors. You're listening to America's Web Radio. This is Locked and Loaded. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is around town movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around town movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, around town movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's around town movers. Call them. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is America's Web Radio, and you're listening to Locked and Loaded, and I am Roger B. And just before we left, we were talking about buying a first handgun and things to consider. Now, I know a lot of people, you know, have a lot of opinions, but be careful who you take information from. In fact, if you ask somebody and they t- and the first thing they tell you is, oh, I carry one of these and you should have one of these too, Ask somebody else. Don't be rude or anything. Take their advice and listen to it. But ask somebody who's willing to tell you, well, that depends. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to carry it? Are you going to have it at the range? Are you going to keep it in the house? If they ask you questions and don't give you an answer right away, that's the kind of person you want to listen to, someone who will get all the information before offering some advice. Now, one thing I do like to say on especially first-time buyers, buy your gun new. There's plenty of brand-new weapons out there that are – very good quality, 
and I'm not going to, you know, pick any one over the other, but there are, you know, many guns. But try and get something that's going to be of decent quality. Don't skimp on the weapon because this is something that you're going to use to potentially save your life. You're the expert, Roger, but, again, I was just thinking about uh, suggest, making a suggestion, and that would be that uh, they, uh, they keep it light. The worst thing you can have, is, or in my opinion anyway, particularly if you're going to the range, but even if you're not going to the range and you're using it for protection, you want to be able to control that weapon, and you get something that's too heavy, and you've got a weapon that's going around in a circle. Well, that's funny you mention that because a lot of times extra weight in a weapon will actually help control the recoil. Now, you don't want to go too heavy to where you can't hold it up, but you want to have enough weight to where it's not super light and it's going to flip back in your hand upon firing it. And that depends on the cartridge you select also. If you're shooting a 9mm, a full-size gun in a 9mm is much easier to control than a super subcompact because those don't fit your hand as well, and it's much easier for recoil to get out of control with something like that. And again, it just depends on what fits your hand better. And trying them. Yes, trying them is the... Oh, that would be... Ideally, everybody should try at least six guns before they decide to buy one, at least. In most ranges, once you open the rental counter, basically pay the rental fee, they'll let you shoot anything in their rental case as long as you buy the ammo from them. So you buy one box of 50 rounds of 9mm, you shoot 10 rounds through five different guns with that same box, and it doesn't cost you any more than a little bit of time going out and swapping the weapon back and forth. But that way, at least you get a better idea, and you'll see, because sometimes... If you're not gripping a weapon correctly or your hands are shaped a certain way, some weapon may pinch you or not feel right, and another weapon will feel much better. And the one that... Beautiful advice. Yes. And the one that didn't feel right might be one that your best friend loves and carries every day, but he's got different hands than you do. And also, you got to consider that who's buying it. Is it a man buying it? Is it a woman buying it? Somebody with small hands, somebody with big hands, all those are going to factor in. And there's just so many things to consider that I hate to give somebody, someone, come, well, what's the best handgun? It's like it's like saying, what's the best car? What are you going to do with it? You going road racing or you will need a pickup truck to carry stuff? Obviously, a Ferrari is not going to hold two-by-fours as well as a pickup truck. You know, and you just brought it. You just said the magic word, too, carry. How are you going to, for a lady, is she going to carry it in her purse? Does she need a purse that has that's designed Built for carry? Built for it. Or, you know, are you going to wear it on your belt? Are you going to wear it on a shoulder holster? Are you going to wear it? How are you going to carry it? Right. How you carry it makes a difference. So if you're going to carry it, maybe you're just going to sit in your nightstand at home and just go to the range and stay in the nightstand. You know, you may not want to carry it on your person at all. Let me ask you something. You know, and God, if I was told this once, I was told this a thousand times. And I had two sons, and both of them were... You know, at one time, the one was two and one was one. One was three and one was two. And, oh, my God, you got guns in your house. Do you have them all locked? And, you know, I'm sorry, but I think I was the adult in the situation, I think. At least I had the age behind me. Okay. <laughs> uh, and, quite frankly, I I'm not a big proponent of the trigger locks because i'm so stupid i can lose the key and if you need your weapon what are you going to do try and throw it at him yeah and uh chase around the house like where's my key where's my key you know <laughs> have you got my key the way hey you that are breaking in have you got my key to, you know so i just 
always kept my pistols and any weapons out of reach of my kids. And right. Even if they were to climb up on a ladder, they, I made sure they were out of reach of my kids. But I knew where they were. Right. And as long as you could access them quickly and get done what you needed to get done if, if the situation called for it. And there's another thing. They make these little safes now that have electronic combinations. So you don't even have to have a key. You put your four fingers on there. You push four numbers in whatever pattern you preset. The, the safe pops open. The gun's loaded, ready to go. But now, if you have a child who's going to, like, attempt to open the safe, if he's old enough to know how to do that or smart enough to try, then he probably needs to be shown the weapon, taken out, taught how to shoot it, taught to respect it. And just like with a, with a power drill or a power saw, you know, you have to respect it as the tool that it is and what it's capable of doing. If you always tell them, no, 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 don't touch, don't, don't look, don't learn about it. What's the first thing they're going to do? They're going to go looking for it because they want to see what they're not supposed to touch. Yep. Almost everybody, you know, people in general like to do that. You tell somebody, whatever you do, don't look up, and everybody's looking up. Yep. <laughs> Had a friend who did that, went up to, he was downtown in a big city, started looking up, and just stood there looking up. Wait until the pigeon got him. And people started looking up, too, going, go, what is it? What is he looking for? They, and he just stood there, and then he walked away. After about 10 people came and started looking up, he just walked away. <laughs> and I hate to see how many people came up and started doing the same thing. Yeah. You tell somebody not to do something, they're, they're going to do And kids need to be taught. I mean, they're children for a reason they don't know. They're not stupid. They're ignorant. They don't know. And it's your job as a parent or as a guardian to teach your children. So, yeah, that, that's another thing to be concerned about. What kind of gun do you want? How is it going to be stored? Do you have young kids in the house who you can't quite teach about that stuff and you want to keep it out of their reach, but yet you still want to keep it accessible? You don't want to have a gun that's sitting in a closet, you know, way on the top shelf that you can't reach if something happens. So you wake up in the middle of the night, you know, you grab your flashlight, you go trying to climb up a little ladder inside your closet trying to get it down. Yeah, that's not very conducive to being prepared. But again, know, and, and let's let's touch one other subject. If you have an alarm, and your home is being broken into, and it's a good alarm, then they're calling the cops, calling the police. Right. So you need to when they call you, you need to tell them, I'm armed, and tell the police that I'm armed. That's right. And I'm hiding in the bedroom. So <laughs> for now, but <laughs> just tell them where I am. Yeah. There was a story I'd heard. A guy had called the police. Apparently, he heard noises in his uh, his separate garage in the back of his house, and he saw a flashlight shining around inside there. So he calls the police and goes, there's three guys. They broke into my garage. They're rummaging through things now. Can you send somebody out here? And the police said, oh, well, we're really busy right now on other calls. Are they inside your house? No, they're not. They're in my separate garage. Okay, well, we'll get there as soon as we can, but it may be a little while. So he hangs up the phone, he thinks about it for a minute, and he waits about three minutes and he calls him back. He goes, okay, yeah, I just called about the guys in my garage. Don't worry, I took care of it. I shot all three of them. Get here whenever you can. No hurry. Within 60 seconds, there were three cops in the driveway, and they caught the three guys rummaging around inside the garage. And they said, I thought you said you shot those three guys. And the guy said, I thought you said you were too busy to come. I love it. 
<laughs> so, you know, you never know what situation you're going to be put into. And like I said, in a situation like that, you're not supposed to be able to shoot somebody unless they're threatening your life or the life of somebody. You can't, thre- you can't threaten to kill somebody for stealing from you. Now, if they're inside your house, most states have castle doctrine, which allows you to protect your house as your castle or your home as your private area, and nobody can come in without being threatened to be shot. You know, Roger, I played a lot of baseball from the time I was in elementary school until I graduated from high school. And then after that, I played some uh, some ball. But one thing that... I learned, and uh, I was second baseman, and nobody was going to take it away from me. But whenever I was in the field, the one thing, and I taught this to my sons too, it doesn't matter who's at the plate, the ball is coming to you. You have to be prepared for that, right, exactly. And that's the way you got to protect your home. Well, it's like you were talking about having a plan. Exactly. That's part of having a plan. Plan for the worst. You know, plan for the worst. Hope for the best. Plan for the worst. You know, and that way you'll always be prepared. And you should have a plan. You should have a backup plan. You should have a contingency plan. And you should have an emergency plan. <laughs> well, it's like uh, the movie Home Alone. You know, <laughs> I loved it. He had a plan for everything. Yeah. Even though it was drawn in crayon, it was a plan, and everything he designed worked. Yeah. So that's good. I mean, you know, even practicing some of the plans sometimes. I'm not saying shoot at your kids as you pre- have them pretend to be burglars, but, you know, have them practice coming downstairs or going somewhere. So, And it's about that time that uh, we put the plug in the jug and another locked and loaded or put the shell in the chamber. <laughs> and, uh, that's right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. And this is America's Web Radio. I am Roger B., and this is Locked and Loaded. And we'll be back with Roger this time next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.